We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. Episode number 48 of Lion Legacy. And after taking a few months off, Ross, we are back. We are back. Yes, we are. People thought we got lost. We didn't get lost. We're here. Found our way. Sorry, Jerry got married. People would say, what's happening to the podcast? I said, Jerry got married. I got married. The matter is, it's early July. We're recording here and Jerry got married in May, but that's okay. <laughs> Give him a break, but we're back. We're here. I'm fort- fortunate that uh, I found the one. It took me a while. When we first started this podcast, Ross, I was as single as could be during the pandemic. That's right. Hey, it b- reminds me. Remember we had Michal Neistetter, right? Yes. The matchmaker. That was like episode 20 something i don't have to fact check that one and she was giving jared dating advice he you've come so far i know i've come so far it's there you go a while, did you ever but... get a hold of her by the way did you tell her you got married i did tell her yeah i did tell her she was go. really excited too i knew michael from my days in philly and she tried to set me up a few times she didn't set me up with Allie, but yeah nonetheless she was really happy that yep. i found my match right um, and uh, yeah, here, here we as are. My, as my mother used to say, there's a lid for every pot. Yeah, that is true. I found my lid. So yeah, I feel really fortunate there. And the good thing is the wedding's behind us. And, you know, now we can focus on the podcast, right? So we've got a number of guests lined up through July, through August. So to our loyal listeners who remain loyal, thank you very much. And stay tuned. We've got some good ones in the hopper. And stay tuned. Yeah. And also, courtesy of my wife, Allie, is this guest, her friends, TJ and Jesse. Once again, you hear, hey, Jared and Ross do a podcast. And oh, people say, oh, I know an interesting Penn Stater, which led us to our guest today. Yeah. So we spoke with Nora Candido. She is a dietitian, nutritionist. She's got great background. We get into all that the background and what she's doing today with wellness, right? It's not just diet and nutrition. It's overall, as we learned, holistic wellness, right? We get a lot of cool stuff. Everybody's got to be well, right? We have quality of life balance. Jared, I think you feel the same way. A lot of aha moments in some of what she mentioned in overall well-being of your person. So she takes us through her journey, what she's doing today, how she's helping people. She's doing a lot of great things with her programs, Nutrition with Nora. And we're going to get into that. But have a healthy conversation with Nora Candido. All right. Let's welcome Nora Candido, a 2017 graduate with degrees in Nutrition Sciences and Human Development and Family Studies. Nora then went on to do her graduate work at the prestigious New York University. Her experience spans working in hospitals, children's hospitals, medical centers for veterans, corporations, and now she has her own private practice, Nutrition with Nora, a great name, by the way, which we'll learn more about. We don't have any snacks for this episode, Ross, (laughs) but we're certainly excited to have you on, Nora. Welcome to Lion Legacy. Thank you very much. So I got to say, when I looked you up, after your name, I saw MS, RDN, LDN, and CLC. And 
I did not cheat. I don't know. I don't, I think I know two out of the four. Ross, I'll test your knowledge as well. So I'm going to go MS, let's MS. say Ma- Master of Science. Yeah. Okay. RDN, Registered Dietitian, which I yeah. think is fairly well known. Now I start to get in like the danger zone here with LDN, <laughs> which is like licensed dietitian. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's okay. a good guess, Jared. Because I was like, wait, registered and licensed seem very similar. And then CLC, I had no, I have no idea. I don't even know what this one could be. Ross, clinical. Oh, that's C, a good is it C clinical? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're going to have to give <laughs> us three, three out of four. No, you did really well. CLC is certified lactation consultant. Uh, okay. But the RDN and LDN are definitely redundant. But as a registered dietitian, now this new credential RDN is registered dietitian nutritionist because anybody can actually call themselves a nutritionist. Like you you could have zero nutrition training and call yourself a nutritionist, but I've sat for my board exam. And so I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. And then every state has different practicing laws. So I'm a licensed dietitian because I'm practicing in Pennsylvania. And I also lived in Massachusetts and New York. So different states have different laws around it. So it's silly, but I have to say both of them otherwise can get in trouble. <laughs> so, so you have to take, depending on the state that you're practicing in, like some sort of certification exam? So just a national exam for the registered dietitian exam, right. but then the licensure is more just I have to pay a different fee and go through background <laughs> tests, of course. And then different states just have different practicing laws. So I thankfully don't have to take a different exam, but it's just a lovely fee. Okay. And we'll get into the lactation consultant side <laughs> of it as well, because I know you work a lot with women. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Nora, great to meet you. And you're obviously very well credentialed. And the reality of it is we already alluded to it a moment ago here. When you think of nutritionist, dietitian, we think automatically very high level diet, weight loss, the general things that you hear about and that the average person would know about. But how would you describe the scope of your profession? I think that's something that really drew me to the field of nutrition in the first place was that there were so many different areas that I could go into. So I like to think of that door being very open, but from sports nutrition, right? All professional sports teams have their own in-house dietitian, which I thought was really cool. That was something I was interested in pursuing. Every college, most of them have a registered dietitian that helps code their menus for allergens that now is a very prevalent thing. Obviously hospitals, school settings, colleges, like you can almost put a dietitian in a lot of different areas and make use for us in some capacity. So I I really liked that you can pivot at pretty much any point and there's going to be a job and there will be new jobs that will come on onto the field, I'm sure, in the future. Excellent. And to go a little further, you talk about on your website about hormone health and especially with women. And we'd like to venture that many people may not think about nutrition and hormones going together and being linked. So describe that element of your profession a little bit, what you do as it relates there. Totally. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. And for me, nutrition is way beyond food. When I think about nourishment, like what are the things in your life that nourish you? Maybe it's 
relationships. Maybe it's having a really good friend group. Maybe it's your amazing sleep that you get. Maybe it's how you move your body. And the hormone connection falls into a lot of different arenas in regards to what I think of nourishment. Yes, how we actually fuel and how we feed our bodies, but how we support our overall health through nourishment or nutrition, in my opinion, will support our hormone status. And it's not something that's just pertinent to people who identify or were assigned female at birth. It really impacts all of us. We all have hormones. And when things are quote unquote out of whack or imbalanced, you might feel lethargic. You don't have the same energy. You don't have the same vitality or energy for life. And my practice is truly built on the basis of quality of life. I'm not focused on numbers. I don't really care how much you weigh, unless it's something that I need to be mindful of. If you're recovering from history of disordered eating or eating disorder, sure, I'm going to be paying more attention to it if it's medically necessary. But to me, numerics are not a measurement of our health. It's not indicative if you're in good health status or in poor health status. And I believe in way more than just diets and weight loss when it comes to nutrition. So do you consider yourself like more along the lines of like a wellness coach, just based on what you're describing, going beyond just the nutrition and nourishment? Totally. I really practice from this more integrative and holistic lens. I have all this clinical background and training, but through my actual own personal experience was how I had to adopt more of these lifestyle and behavioral changes to support my body. And I wasn't satisfied with the answers that I was getting in traditional doctor's offices and had to do a lot of my own research. Like the majority of the work that I do is everything that I've learned post-grad, which to me is actually crazy. Like the clinical foundation, the knowledge, we'll talk about schooling, obviously, but so much of what I do on a day-to-day basis is new research, new information and practices adopting from this more total body approach than just here's what you should be eating. And that's it. It's so much more dimensional than that. You mentioned at the top of that last segment about how nourishment comes in different forms. So outside of healthy eating and exercise, right? Quality sleep. What's the most underrated element in someone's life that could give them nourishment? Maybe to say it a little differently, when you're speaking with one of your clients and you recommend something and it's like, aha, like I had no idea that fill in the blank could really be so good for me. What would that be? Yeah. I think the underrated thing, maybe not what is so good for me, but I don't think people appreciate how much stress impacts all of these different areas in our life. And when we find tools and better ways to quote unquote manage our stress and just help our body get into this more relaxed state, you know, there's, you can literally have anything at your fingertips 24 seven, our bodies are in this constant kind of fight or flight mode is what they call it, right? I'm sure you've heard of that term before. And just finding ways to tap into helping our body just come off of that chronic state and slow down. It's going to support your digestion. It's going to support your energy. It's going to help you sleep better. Like I call this an upward spiral when these things start compounding, but stress is just 
such a huge unfortunate component of a lot of people's health status. And there are a lot of things that we can't control, but learning how we can support our body's response to those stressors, I think is truly a major key to tapping into health and also disease prevention. They're linking stress being the main trigger that it might reveal someone's autoimmune issues, or it might start that cardiovascular disease or even brain deterioration. And if you can help to slow that progression or avoid it all together, to me, that is pretty important. We need to live a more stress-free life, right? <laughs> How do as we do much that? As we can, exactly. Ain't that the truth? How do we yeah. do that? Yeah. It's fascinating to see your career trajectory, right? Because uh, I mentioned our trajectory rather hospitals, children's hospital, medical centers for veterans, a corporation with employees. Like, how did you go towards more of this wellness, holistic coaching guidance, right? Those journeys or points along the journey, obviously, were probably pretty impactful to getting you to the place you are today. Yeah, 100%. So post-grad, I finished my master's from NYU in 2018 in the fall. And during that time, I was doing my master's at night, and we had to do our clinical training for hours to sit for that fancy exam I was talking about. And I did that at the Veterans Hospital. So I started my experience there, and I was really curious about pediatrics. And obviously, being at a VA hospital, not a lot of kiddos running around. So I chose to do a fellowship afterwards. So I moved to Texas for three months, worked at Texas Children's Hospital, and was actually feeding premature infants through their veins, like very science, very technical. Again, just another thing you might not think about a dietitian doing. But I obviously am a very social being and love talking to people. And I was just sitting behind a computer. So it's like, okay, this is not for me. But I was grateful for the experience. And I moved up to Boston after that. And I was really, I think, naive that I thought, okay, I have my master's, I have this extra fellowship program, all from good schools, etc. I'll have an easy time getting a job. And I did not. And I applied to over 20 different positions. This was 2019 in the beginning of the year. And it was definitely a humbling experience. So most of the work that I started getting was more part-time per diem work. And then all of these maternity leave coverages for dietitians that were going out on their own leaves. So that was where I started just putting my foot in the door of multiple institutions up in Boston. And then from that job is where I got recruited to work for Titleist. And so after the temporary position ended, I went and worked for them, which was really cool. I got to create my own private practice within a corporation and all of their employees were incentivized to come and see me. So I got to talk and practice in a way that I wanted to. And that was the first taste of private practice for me. That job got deleted during COVID. So I actually had a little hiatus and that's when we got married. Perfect time to get married in the middle of the pandemic. (laughs) Then I started working at Boston Children's Hospital and they asked me to do somebody's maternity leave coverage. I was like, I just want a full-time job. I just want to plant my roots somewhere. But truthfully, it was the best thing that could have happened. It wasn't a great fit for me. And that's when I entered into private practice after 
that temporary position and ended, they offered me a full-time role and I said, no, thank you. And I started working in private practice with another dietitian who was working in more GI issues, which is now what I specialize in GI and I focus more on the hormone side of things. I don't regret any of these experiences, although my resume looks like totally different than what I would have anticipated coming out of school. And again, as I shared, naively thinking I was going to just get into a, a job off the bat, but I don't regret any of them. And it truly has led me to here and I'm grateful for that. So we'll, we'll take the jumbled resume at this point. No, I, I think <laughs> that's the beauty of it, right? We always talk about on the show and we have so many guests come on and it's a true journey, right? And just great to hear your journey there. I just want to go back before we get into nutrition with Nora. Can you talk a little bit more about your role in Titleist? And is this very common that corporations would bring on someone like yourself and open it up to all employees? Or were they a little bit more forward thinking there? They were super forward thinking. They've had this role for over 20 years. They wow. also had on staff PTs, they had acupuncturists, they had chiropractor. So really a more holistic approach there as well, which I really valued. And it was a bummer that my job was almost, I think, more necessary during the pandemic than it was before that. People needed help with how to eat better at home and how to support their bodies. And again, unfortunate, but I'm super grateful for it. But a lot of corporations do have maybe not a dietitian per se, but they might have health coaches or people that can help you to adopt healthier lifestyle, healthier eating habits, movement practices, all, all of it. I think what might be a little more common is not necessarily somebody that's employed by the corporation, but instead they have a program through their benefits, right? That allows a third party that they contract with to say, Hey, we've got a, we cut a deal with such and such LLC yeah. and my, our employees can go and speak with them, but it's pretty cool that they offered you that opportunity. And then you've got people that are interested to take advantage of a perk. It's a great perk. Yeah. Certainly. I loved it. It's yeah. a cool role. So that, okay. So now let's continue this story, right? So then you said you joined up with a partner specific to yeah. private practice yeah. GI. And then did that ultimately, was that what turned into your own gig? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so going from working in hospitals and in more outpatient settings and then branching into that private practice setting, I was doing all of this work to support somebody else's practice. And I was like, if I'm doing this for somebody else, I might as well just do this for myself. Sure. And again, if looking back, I don't think I would have imagined getting to this point maybe as early as I have in my career and wild to think about, okay, I might be doing this for the next 25, 30 years, but it's also really exciting to see and know how much is going to change during that time. And again, just the flexibility that comes with having my own position, my own company to be able to pivot and support people as different things are happening, going through different phases of life, seeing different needs and being able to help people. I, it's so rewarding. I'd love to know how you work with people. Some of the programs you talk about hormonal health, you yeah. talked about, you have the lactation certification as well. 
like how are people finding you and then how are you getting them into a program and working with them one-on-one or maybe in group settings? Exactly. Most people find me through referrals, which I'm very grateful for. Second is social media, which I'm also grateful for, but hope in some regard that social media blows up sometime in the future <laughs> for the health of many individuals. Blows up in a good way or a bad way? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it, I hope it's non-existent in the near future. Now we have threads, right? Like they, you know, they just launched a new platform. It's wait another platform to get on. Can't keep in, up with it all. Yeah. Instagram, Life was simpler Twitter. before all the social media, right? Totally. It's true. I can't imagine growing up as a teen in this time period. When I was working at the children's hospital, I was working in their eating disorder unit. And most of the kiddos mm. were referencing social media as the impetus or the inspiration for their eating disorder. And it's just, it's so challenging. And then layer in a global pandemic off of that while your body is changing. And there are so many different themes and trends going on right now with changing our bodies and I'm supportive of a lot of those things, but it's, it is so challenging. I just, I'm grateful that Facebook was just mildly a thing <laughs> during, didn't have a smartphone until needed to drive. And then I do have my own podcast, which I know we'll talk about as well. And that is another route that people find me in as well, which is awesome. It's a great search platform. When people do have something specific that they're looking for right now, it's very easy and it's a free platform, which is also really important to me is having free information. I don't think that all of this should be behind a paylock and having that part is awesome. Great. So people come to you, right? They can work with you one-on-one or in a group setting. Is that right? Yes. So I did create a group program. It's called Harmonize. So the hormone side of things is more focused in that realm. And it's a very intimate group size and people get education materials in the background. They watch on their own time. And then we meet together once a week and we have a more community session. And just what I've seen in doing that is people feeling once very isolated and having what they think is a unique experience to then be in a room full of nine or so other individuals and say, wow, I'm not alone in this. And Mm. they hear questions being asked that they may have never thought about asking before or things that worked for someone else that can also support them. So I I love doing the community. And then they also get one-on-one time with me as well to really focus on what their individual goals are, because it covers anything from fertility support to helping them transition through any type of hormonal changes like coming off of birth control is a very common thing in Mm. my age group and just knowing how to support your body through that transition all the way through perimenopause and menopause where there's not a lot of support for this population. And it's something that I'm really passionate about helping and just, again, providing more of that community, knowing you're not alone in what you're experiencing. And then I do have one-on-one care on the side, but I really love this group setting because it is more of a curriculum and they leave the most common feedback that I get is just having this newfound connection to their body. And that exceeds far beyond any of my hopes or expectations for what you could get out of a program. That is something that is beneficial for no matter where you are in your life. Really special. 
Nora, do you, are you largely meeting with folks in a virtual setting or do you have anybody like local to you that you're meeting with in, in, in real life, as we say? I'm 100% virtual. I have okay. clients all over the U.S. I have international clients in cool. London and Dubai and yeah, Canada all over the place, which is awesome. I love yeah. being able to do that. Yeah. And w where does the lactation consultant side come in? I'm just curious about that. So I did that certification and training when I was working in the children's hospitals, and it is still information that I use, but not a strong part of my practice now. But I thought it was a very important addition to my long name there. <laughs> yes. Another, another one to add to the credential list. Yep. More to come for sure. <laughs> you you touched on it a moment ago about the element of working with your clients and how rewarding it is to see their progress and the influence that you've had on them. Is, is there a particular story just to, to hone in on a little bit with a particular patient that you can remember working with this person, seeing maybe it was a revelation or progress or what ha whatever that you look back on and you just internally, you're just super proud of how that all came about? Yeah, I've had eight new moms that have come to me wanting to try and conceive and we've been able to do that. And wow. that's not something that I thought going into this work would be a really big outcome for me, but pretty cool to be a part of somebody's journey in their fertility support. And again, a very popular and I think not always supported topic and there are many more things coming out now people are opening up and talking about it even more but something that is super rewarding i mentioned i'm really focused on quality of life so i've helped individuals that have they're not able to go out to eat with their family because of their food intolerances or issues with their gi tract maybe they get so sick afterwards and being able to expand the foods that you can eat or going out to dinner and not having to look at a menu beforehand or going to a family gathering and not having to bring your own food. You know, this is excluding aller true allergies. But for me, again, that's like a huge thing off of your mental plate, just being able to enjoy foods, be present, have this different kind of relationship to food in your body that's not restricted. That's really important to me helping people clear a lot of their GI issues, getting off medications. That is awesome thing. It's cost effective and also just a quality of life thing for them as well. I've helped people that they've PR'd in marathons after working with me and just from helping to support their overall health. It's not saying eat this while you're exercising. I'm not a sports dietitian, but helping their GI tract symptoms, which I don't know if any of you do any running or activities, but a lot of people experience GI issues when they're being active. And so this is, again, another area that I'm super passionate about to help people just be able to enjoy those things without having to think about, oh my gosh, where's the nearest bathroom? Am I going to make it on my commute to work? And, or am I going to have to pull over? Those things to me are quality of life. So rewarding. That's amazing. Thank you. And I think this probably goes into the next question as well. And you alluded to having your podcast, The Flow State, which talks about finding balance in your everyday life. And what does it mean to have balance? And I think you answered some of that 
kind of with the previous answers, but anything else you want to add on around the podcast? Yeah, just again, free platform that I'm really thankful to have. We've had over 25,000 downloads of our podcast, which is just thinking about having a room full of that many people listening to us is amazing. This was started with a founder of a drinkable PMS elixir. So it's a multivitamin that you can put in your water and it helps people to alleviate cramps and their any sort of PMS symptoms before their period comes. And it's delicious. That's great. <laughs> it makes it a lot easier. And the product is called Morea, but the founder and I created this podcast and again, super conversational, but we share a lot of insights around how to support your hormones, how to eat to support your hormones, how to move your body. We've had a lot of awesome guests on as well to share insights and it's just a fun thing. I'm sure you can relate. So now I'm curious as far as balance and quality of life, right? They say that doctors or others, right? Don't always make great patients. So how well do you find a quality of life and balancing your own being an entrepreneur and having this business and all of your other things that you're doing in your world? How well do you find your own balance? I love this question and I love being called out. Seriously. I'm not calling you out. I'm no, just curious. If no. you take people, people are out there. They don't take their own advice, right? They give it to others, but they don't always self-impose. And so I'm just curious. No, it's, it is so true. And I'm being serious. I think it is really important to be an example. And I do think stress again is probably one of the biggest challenges, even in my own life of being able to separate personal life from work life. I get so invested in the people that I support that thinking about them. I, if I don't hear from Sevi, I'm like, I really hope that they're okay. <laughs> so practicing boundaries, even just turning notifications off on my phone, having things be silenced so I can go away and not think about all the things going on behind the scenes. Also helpful having a team now to support me in that matter as well. But right now my focus has been trying to get more into a creative outlet where I really used to enjoy singing growing up and I just got my mom's guitar. I want to start learning to play guitar. And I also like doing really big crafts, cool, big pieces of art. The, that is a way that I'm channeling my balance and helping to counteract some of that stress too. That's a great question. Love it. Love it. I've got another question for you here that I'm curious to hear your answer. With nutrition being very personalized on a high level, is there a particular food that people think is good for them, quote unquote, air quotes here, yeah. but science or from what you know is probably not? Yeah, I like this question too. I think a lot of the kind of fake meat stuff is really interesting. If you look at the ingredient labels and see just how many different ingredients are in a lot of these beyond meat, burgers, patties, sausages, cheeses, like XYZ, you name it, where someone might ascribe to being vegetarian or vegan. Yeah, they're eating gluten-free and vegan Oreos and fake meat. And all like, I love any whole food that doesn't even have an ingredient label. That would be the ideal. But I think a lot of people think that those foods are healthy and I do not. There are many ways that you can be plant-based and really support your body. I 
would avoid them. <laughs> I'm so relieved, by the way. I thought you were going to name something that I like <laughs> loved and thought was good for my for me. And I'm not part of the fake me craze. So I'm good in that area. It's interesting you say that because I, I was I'm trying to watch my cholesterol. And mm -hmm. if I recall from the labels, they are lower in cholesterol, but they oh, still totally. have a ton of fat and saturated fat in them and sodium. Absolutely. With a lot of the processed items, if you're subtracting something, you're adding two or three more sure. things in to adjust for the flavor and the texture and all of these things. And I think a lot of the ingredients that are in the processed or fake meats, wannabe meats, are mostly to get that texture and the look mm. more. But just from more of a dietary standpoint, if I can give you this around cholesterol. Do I have Please. your permission to share? Yes. <laughs> Increasing fiber is going to be way more beneficial than being mindful of dietary cholesterol. And that's because fiber acts like a sponge. So the more fiber we're able to tolerate, it's really going in and soaking up that extra cholesterol. And then we get it out of our system. We see that in the toilet. So focusing on that and movement is way more supportive from a cholesterol standpoint than dietary cholesterol. Our body is really good at regulating. We actually make our own cholesterol if we even need it because it supports so many different pathways in our body. So focus on the fiber. Fiber. I like it. There, there you go, Ross. Free advice right there for you. Cool. <laughs> hey, while we're on the topic of what people believe to be true, I'm curious, right? You hear a lot about intermittent fasting yes. these days. What's your take or viewpoint on that? I think intermittent fasting can be a really beautiful and supportive thing for many people. I don't think it's for everyone and especially the population that I work with. So when I say individuals who are in their fertile years or they're menstruating, intermittent fasting is not a good fit for you. It is an active stressor on your body. But as we get older, so people who are postmenopausal, your hormone status mimics more or less so of a male's than a female's. So it's, it is easier for the body and it actually helps with more of that insulin sensitivity, which can be helpful for things like diabetes, but I don't recommend it for menstruating females, men, completely different story. Although I'll give this caveat that I really believe all of us should be fasting. I'm putting this in quotes to an extent where if your last meal is at 7 PM, we don't need another meal for at least 12 hours. Like that kind of gentle fast is what we should all be doing, in my opinion. And that helps us for a lot of different, a lot of different reasons. So some people would even consider that intermittent fasting, but I think that's just following a pretty normal diet. <laughs> yep. Understood. No, I appreciate the the free advice there. Yeah. That's amazing. Stay away from those late night snacks, Jerry. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. It's 940 here right now when we're recording. We're not eating anymore tonight. So we're done. My big thing is if you get to this late in the evening and you're really hungry, chances are you probably didn't adequately fuel yourself for the rest of the day. You might be truly hungry right now and that's right. fine. But going back and reanalyzing, did I have a balanced and satiating breakfast? Did I do the same at lunch? Did I have the same at dinner? If you're checking all of those things and you're still hungry, then it's a further conversation that we can have. <laughs> Fair enough. 
So I want to switch gears a little bit. Your husband is a Penn Stater, as far as I understand. Would love to know about him and how you guys met. Did you meet at Penn State? Did you meet after Penn State? Yeah, we actually met September of our freshman year. So we're coming up on on 10 years of knowing each other and of being friends. And I friend zoned him hard when we first met because I was (laughs) dating somebody else. But we actually met through Thon. I know that was mentioned on your last podcast. And we were both in the same committee. So out of a group of 35 people, we're on the same committee. Not only our freshman year, but then again, our sophomore year, we're in the same committee again. And then our junior year, we ended up moving across the street from each other on West College. Uh huh. And then we both got interviewed for the same captain position for Thon our junior year. And we both danced our junior year. And at that point, we were both single. And at Thon in 2016, that's when the tides turned. And at Thon, like at Thon. You, you, this love affair connection <laughs> kind of the Thon. universe with all those signs and then it all came exactly. to a head at thon there you go wow exactly Fantastic. and we, we had been friends like we we knew everything that was going on we stayed in really close contact but yeah that's when our families met each other and we just supported each other throughout the weekend but i am i'm so grateful we're both still seeking something like thon in our adult life that has the same <laughs> special place in our hearts but really thankful for our involvement wow great story and you're in good company with ross who also met his wife jess september freshman year as well no way yeah oh that's fun a few more years though we've known each other for next month will be 23 years that's awesome and we've been married for we're coming up on our 15th anniversary happy anniversary wow that's great and and your husband so what does he do Yeah, he works for PwC. He's in one of their consulting practices and he's very supportive of what I'm doing, which I'm really appreciative of as well. He, I think he knows more than the average woman about menstrual cycles, which is great. More men should also know about women's menstrual cycles. (laughs) We have to deal with it. Hey, before we move on to more about Penn State, please tell the listeners how they can follow you. Where can they find you, sign up for your programs, et cetera? Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure we can link my website in the show notes too, just nutritionwithnora.com. My Instagram is nutritionwithnora. I post things on Pinterest too, recipes and whatnot on there, Nutrition with Nora, everything. And then the Flow State podcast is on Spotify or Apple Podcasts as well. And that's it. Awesome. And as the listeners can see in the notes on the title, it's Nora with an H, N-O-R-A-H. Yeah. Good catch, Ross. Well done. (laughs) So we're going to put you in the lines, Dan, talk a little bit more about Penn State. This is brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride. Remember to visit lions Pride dot com to pick up all your summer apparel and gear. So Nora, we heard about your zig and zag of a career, which is really cool. And to get you to where you are today, but let's go way back your time at Penn state. How did that shape your, the early part of your career and the professional life that you ended up having along the way? I am, I put my sweatshirt on for us tonight, Penn state. And I am so grateful for my experience. I, I think Penn State attracts amazing professors. There's 
so much great research that comes out of the institution. My dietetics program was amazing. Way, I got way more out of my undergrad than I did my master's program, which I think says a lot. That prepares you for sure from a career standpoint, but more so the life lessons. Like when you go to school, nobody is there holding your hand. It's a very big school. If you choose to stay in your bed and skip class, you could do that. If you want to go out every single night, you could do that. And I think it just helps to prepare you for that autonomy that you need transitioning into your career, into adulthood. And if not, not every school, a big school is not for everyone, of course, but I'm really, I think it really helped to shape me and I've always been a planner, probably to a fault. (laughs) And this, it really helped to set me up for success in that regard too. Amazing. Toughest question of the podcast, favorite memory at Penn State. I was reflecting on this before the episode and my brother also went to Penn State, which is probably very common. I actually went to his thon when he danced in 2013. So it was before I was a student, but just being able to experience the magic and see what it was all about. It's not something that you can really describe to others that haven't experienced it. And that was definitely a standout moment. The Michigan game, my freshman year, four overtime and a win was great. We went to the Big Ten championship game my senior year, which was also super memorable. And meeting your husband. Meeting my husband, absolutely. (laughs) Don't forget. Yes. No, of course, that's up there. Getting hit by a car, probably also on that What? Okay. All right. You got to tell us about that. Yeah. Elaborate. So it was after... Thanksgiving break, my sophomore year, always the Michigan State game, the last game of the year. And I chose to go to the library on game day, which was my first mistake. Just kidding. But I was crossing over Beaver and the car closest to me had already come to a stop. And I started crossing the street and the car in the second lane was trying to quote, beat the light and ended up hitting me. And I was totally fine. But Needless to say, I did not go to the library that day, and I turned around and went straight to the tailgates, and I did not do well on my statistics exam (laughs) on Tuesday. It was rough. (laughs) Live to tell the tale. Yes, that is the main thing there. So if you could go back and visit with yourself, Nora, 18 years old, about to start up at University Park, what advice would you share with yourself? I think I would let myself know that it will all work out. I think put a lot of pressure on myself. And again, another learning experience. That first semester transition from high school to college was not easy for me. Academically, I had a horrifically stacked schedule with four sciences and English 15, and I was drowning. And it all worked out. So I would take some of that pressure off of 18-year-old me and just say, be here, be present, enjoy it. It will all work out. Great advice there. Along the advice lines, though, when you find someone is considering Penn State, what do you tell them? Why should they go there? 
there's something for everyone in my opinion, right? There's like over 180 majors. There are infinite clubs that you can be a part of. You don't have to participate in Greek life if that's not for you. You don't have to drink if that's not for you. There, in my eyes, there's something for everyone. I loved taking advantage of all of the free sporting events. I would go to some of the wrestling matches, volleyball, lacrosse, gymnastics. You could do something at any time. And I loved that. Great answer. And then anything you're doing today to stay connected to the university, I guess you were part of HHD, right? Yeah. With like yeah. with the college there or anything along those lines? Yeah. I've been on an alumni board for the college of health and human development. Excellent. So yeah, that's been fun too, getting to connect with other nutrition students and yeah, I created a lot of opportunities for myself along the way to really make sure this was the career path that I wanted to do. And now getting to share all of these experiences that I've had with other students is really fun. And my husband and I actually started, so some cities have their own THON fundraiser, like the Hope Gala in New York. There's one in Philly. There's one in DC. We started one in Boston when we lived there. Oh, great. Um, Boston's Night of Hope was what we created And that's been another way for us to just stay connected and obviously very supportive of Thon still. Wow. That's amazing. And that's still going? It is still going. Yeah. Fantastic. That's great. Congratulations on that one. That's amazing. Thanks. This has been a, a great 45 minutes. Really appreciate you coming on. And as I was thinking, you were talking about your journey from the hospital to the VA clinic and even the corporation. And I think you found finally found that your journey is about helping people on their journey to better wellness. And I think that's really special. And you could just see how passionate you are when it clicks for people and how you've helped people achieve a better state of wellness. So congratulations. We look forward to certainly continuing to follow your journey. And we always end the podcast with, we are Penn State. Lion Legacy is a Baruta production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.